Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to another week in the family room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here with my co-host, Mari and John. Hello, hello. Hey, Craig. Well, we have another great show. It seems like we just keep building and building here. Uh, We've got a show topic today called Authentic Love and Dating. And we've chosen the topic because as humans, we all crave authentic love, which in today's world isn't defined very well. And dating, because it relates to how we enter into relationships with one another, um, how are we intending it to really be done? And we have Father Martin Connor in with us today, who uh, has written a couple books, one of which is uh, The Ten Reflections of the Kingdom, another one, The Dating Booklet, and another one, Reclaiming Love and Connecting the Head and the Heart. And as we talk today, we're really going to be connecting those two books together. So, Father Martin, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Good to be here. Glad to have you. Pleasure to have you. As we begin, we always want to begin with prayer. So, uh, John, if you would uh, kick us off, please. Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, before we even open our mouths with thoughts, we open our hearts with, with thoughts of praise and thanksgiving for all the blessings that you give, in particular for the blessing of Father Martin and, and for the wisdom that he will share now. We just ask that you um, pour out upon us during this time the the gifts of your Holy Spirit for us and for us conversing, but also for all the folks listening so that if there's a message here or a need there, that you might fill it and use us to accomplish your perfect will. Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Amen. 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 So, Father Martin, we are so glad to have you. It's so fun to have a friendly face in the studio. I guess you guys are friendly, that too, right? Um, I I just took a note on that, Mari. Okay, (laughs) okay, I'm turning around. You have to look at me no more. (laughs) Father Martin, all of us know you. Um, All of us have known. Craig's known you for a long time. You probably could tell us more on Craig than we'd ever... Yeah. Want to ever? Yeah, I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> yeah, we're we going to do a show we on that too. Yeah, I think that would be good. Idea. <sighs> but I know you specifically because you actually came on when we had Shelter and Peace here on the Quest. Mm-hmm. You came on the show a few times, and you were actually a co-host with me once. Okay. And we okay. had a great time. I don't remember time. that, but I'm sure I was here. I remember this room. <laughs> <laughs> you were here. You do so many things. I think that's part of our point today. You are so involved in so many different things and you spread your um, your gracious gifts um, to you. so many people in so many places. So many of our listeners here in Atlanta would probably know you, but mm-hmm. we are thankful to have you Thank here you. today. And one of the things on the family room that we recognize is just the opportunity to encourage um, marriages and families, encourage everybody out there. And one of the encouraging things sometimes is to hear somebody's faith journey. So would you introduce yourself a bit more to our listeners by sharing kind of a little bit more of who you are and maybe even why you're a priest today? What brought you to yeah, that place? So short version, right? Uh, so I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, outside of Baltimore, Maryland, big family of eight um, towards the end. I'm number seven. And probably in regards to, I mean, I, it was your political, pretty, pretty much your typical Catholic family. Um, I don't think that we were over, let's just say, pious mm-hmm. as much as praying the rosary every day, anything like it. It was pretty standard Sunday Mass, 
confession a couple times a year, things like that. But my parents de- definitely fostered in us uh, a spirit of responsibility, hard work, and honesty. Mm. Uh, so that human formation is really critical when the uh, the divine seed comes along, right? So uh, for myself, I definitely heard the call at a much earlier age. Some people don't think that's possible. I would argue that they... Uh, need to reconsider that. <laughs> uh, I was probably as young as 12 uh, and um, didn't do really much with it except uh, run from it for many years until I was in college and then faced it. Thanks be to God. Uh, and by the grace of God, I was able to respond um, to it and join the Legionaries of Christ uh, in 1990 and was ordained in 2001. And yeah, so what would I say other than it is awesome? To be a priest. <laughs> I am a supernatural weapon in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would st- speak to my brother priests out there, whoever's listening. I hope you understand that, Father. And we have to get out there and live it. Supernatural weapon. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say a very normal, you know, av- I won't say average, but every normal Catholic family. But yet, if I recall, you have a brother who is not only in the Legion, but also yeah. the head legionnaire. He's, he's your boss, right? Well, do we don't have to really talk about this <laughs> thing, about the younger brother thing. Yes, he um, joined a year after me. And um, I think what we were attracted to most was just a clear, um, clear mission. These young guys who we met years ago were uh, fired up about the church, loved the church, loved everything about being Catholic, and were caught up in this mission that the legionaries have to form lay people and uh, kind of unleash the apostolic heart that that each um, baptized Christian has in some capacity. So um, both of us were attracted to it. And please, thanks be to God, we were able to respond and be faithful. And here we are as priests working for the church, right? We're all working for the same church, so. And if our listeners can't tell, there's a little bit of passion whenever Father Martin <laughs> speaks. So we appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's interesting, your, your books that we're talking about today, they all talk about marriage, love, things like that. I know you were my spiritual director for a long time. A lot of our conversations were over marriage. Um, It's interesting that we all want to be loved and we all want to be loved in a very real way. But I got to say, a priest writing a book on dating might be somewhat confounding to most people. Can you kind of explain where this germinated from and why you wrote the book? Sure. So I, in my 21 years as a priest, have worked in a lot of different um, ministerial roles, uh, primarily through the Regnum Christi, which is the lay family, spiritual family of the, of the legionaries. Um, and in that, in, in, in that experience, you, you come into contact with all types of journeys, and they're all about the same thing, as you mentioned. It's all about the gift of love, giving and receiving of love. And most of the complicatedness of human realities have to do with the disorder mm-hmm. or the lack thereof of, of receiving and giving love. So it doesn't matter if you're 12, you're 16, you're single and 22 dating, or you're married and, and trying to figure out, it pretty much comes down to that. And as a priest, um, well, we, we, we have it, we've been touched in a certain way by the love of Christ at, at some point in our life and have tasted what that perfect divine love is. Uh, and we, in a very imperfect way, try to communicate that in our preaching and in our ministerial role. But uh, I, I think it would be uh, wrong to say that priests don't have some insight into what self 
gift, that total self gift of, of your life to another looks like, because we're doing it every day of our lives uh, to Christ and to our neighbor, right? Mm. So I, the, the whole idea that priests don't have anything to say with, with marriage or, or they don't get it because they're not married, yeah, well, you know, there are certain parts of that that are true. Um, but I think the fundamentals of a happy marriage generally speak to what the priest is committed to. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and I would say that to young people too who are on a search. So dating's the same program. Pretty much. So, yeah. so you you hit on two things that are that I think are really important. First, you you talked about age. You like like you, this is for somebody dating or somebody that's married. And one of the notes that I jotted on 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 the, the printout was this is age appropriate question mark because this really doesn't have to be for somebody young dating. There's a lot in here that is just good relational stuff. But but I think you had a specific goal in mind when you wrote this book. There was kind of a target group and target or target reason that you wanted people to read this pamphlet. Yeah. So what I, what I would say back to uh, Craig's, uh, it is not just my work. I, I, uh, you, if you look at the back cover of the book, well. yeah, you, yes. there, is a, there are a handful of singles and dating and marriages yes. that helped me with it. There's uh, and then some more than others. So it was definitely probably the insight of, a, 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 of more than 20 to 30 people who've, who've been out there in the secular world trying to figure out love and, and this, you know, different stages that have helped me, you know, match up some of my own experiences uh, and confirm. So what I was doing is really narrating the phenomena mm. of the heart that is seeking that love mm -hmm. in, in another person. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with a, a thought that I have, or a question that I have, is that, you know, Craig was just teasing you about, okay, you're a priest, why are you writing about dating? And as you said, it's all about love, right? All of us, no matter what our vacation is, what where we are in, um, in, in our life, we all desire love. We want pure, authentic, real, and very self-sacrificial mm. love. And as you said, as a priest, you totally gave everything, right? Talk about having sacrificial love. I think it's a great epitome of that. Um, but that's what we want for all of our relationships. And so when you were just talking about that, people are craving that. They're craving that kind of love. Can you talk more about that, about that heart of people that people have for that type of love and maybe what's happening in society right now that's perverting some of that? Yeah, so uh, just to give a little shout out to the podcast that I have called Wired to Love because it does speak to the human wiring, right? If you look at Genesis uh, and just look at Adam and Eve, there's a, there's a complementarity and interplay there between male and female that really just dictates the human heart. We, we long and thirst and hunger for that authentic receiving of love and giving of love, right? Which is so fundamental to the, the Christian understanding of love. And then even more, kind of more particularly recent, John Paul II's Theology of the Body really unpacks that well. And my Reclaiming Love and then now this dating booklet really has as an underpinning theme, I might not mention it in the dating book. That's another thing. I'm writing it for the seeker. Mm -hmm. It's not for the quote unquote converted, mm. even though I don't shy away from the faith. It's, it's really about a commonsensical understanding of mm -hmm. what, hey, what are you really looking for? It's this, what you're looking for. And mm -hmm. that's how the dating book kind of uh, unfolds. Uh, so I, I, I think one of the things is, 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 sadly, is we have a lot of voices out there. You know, Jesus says in the gospel that we need to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. And it takes a long time 
to attune our ear mm-hmm. to that voice. Uh, we get better at it as, as life goes on. But one of the real difficulties of our current culture, as we all know, it's extremely distracting and extremely loud. So our young people, you know, they, they, they have battles like we all did at, at, at those stages in our life where we're, they're not able to detect the pure, you know, tender voice of the one that loves them and wants to lead them in the right direction. And, and so one of the things that is in the book is, hey, you need to take a step back and first of all, know yourself mm-hmm. and then uh, know yourself, know what you're getting into. You know, you're, you're dealing with another human being. This right. is not something to play with. Right. Like dating isn't recreational. It's a serious undertaking that demands a certain amount of maturity. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of a little bit of the thesis of, of the booklet. Right. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things, as you, as you said it, what struck me too is, you know, you said people can't detect the voice of the one who really loves them. And I think that's where we've got an opportunity for those of us who have been walking for a while with the Lord and know what his voice sounds like is to pour that voice into other people by our stories, by our testimonies, by just speaking truth into their hearts. And I think, for example, for my kids, what I loved about this dating booklet that you created is it opens up a great opportunity for me to have conversation with my children about some of these foundational things that you're talking about. Yeah. Totally, Mari. I, yeah. I say that I think the one that you mentioned was the opening chapter. So I had the people that were read it, kind of my readers. Uh, one one of the most interesting things they came back and said, "You really need to clarify love. Mm. Like, what love mm. are you talking mm. about?" Mm. So throughout the book, I have this love in italics. Mm-hmm. Like, I really am clear. This is the love that I'm referring to. Not all the other forms or colors that you might hear. This is the love that I that I'm looking to, to talk about. And then in chapter one, I invite everyone to do a little bit of kind of a, what I call a self-growth test, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a pre-dating quiz. Should I even be dating? <laughs> do I have the human maturity and the human makeup to, to make that type of, of decision or, you know, a series of decisions to, 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 to treat this other person in my life the way that she, he or she deserves, right? Yeah. yeah. But like I said earlier, that's why I think the beauty of this book, not just for dating, but for married people and life in general, single people, yeah, none of us talk about real love growing up typically. I mean, you might hear some technical terms about eros and agape, but tuning into that voice of God is very difficult sometimes. And it's funny you bring that up because I've been praying a lot like, God, I really need you to talk to me like Moses in the burning bush. Right? I need you to talk to me like Jacob or whatever. And I'm like, but I'm not hearing from you. And then... Eight hours later, I'm listening to another podcast, and it was a priest, and he was talking, and he says, you know, I used to say to God, talk to me like this, and then I realized God needs to talk to me like he needs to talk to me. Mm -hmm. It's a unique relationship of the give and take, Mm -hmm. but it's also a unique relationship of the love, how God relates to us, and many of us don't get that. One of the things you talk about, though, is dignity, looking at the other person not as an object, but having... um, a dignified view of other people, which seems like we've lost a ton of in our society. Can you talk about like looking at somebody with the dignity that God maybe created them and potentially how we come back to it? Because it has been perverted. We don't even know who we are. How do you bring people back to that dignity, even in themselves? How do they look at themselves with that dignity? Yeah. Loaded question. Totally good question, uh, Greg. And I, I don't know if I have the answer. Uh, what I would say is point to um, point to original man, which is the first piece of the theology of the body, 
and John Paul II invites us to remember what happened to Adam. And solitude was fundamental for Adam to understand who he was and then who he was before God. And then as Eve entered to the world in regards to the other person, yeah. right? So I, I think getting back to what I already said, unless you have some, some platforms in your life where you are reflecting, you are in solitude, you are whatever, fill in the blank, um, then uh, you, you, that's the only way to, to hear yourself think and then hear God. Uh, and I think that that is what has to come back. And that can happen in a lot of ways. It can happen in prayer, but it can also happen in good community. And uh, one of the things that came back again and again in, in, the, in the interviews with his dating booklet is that how young people are thirsting for a community. And it's not just any community. You can go out with your buddies and have a beer or hang out. It's, it's community that is life-giving, right? Mm -hmm. not death-dealing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have people who graduate from college and they have a, they're hungry for more values, but they still continue to, to hang out with their, their party buddies, right? And that's not life-giving. And they mm -hmm. begin to realize, God, I, I got to get away from this mm -hmm. here. It's not good yeah. for me. So yeah. you do have to do some discernment on relationships and friendships there that aren't, aren't always easy. You got to navigate that. But if you start choosing to hang out with the people that lift you up, then it's a, it's a better, it's a better gig, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think you also need to look at people, male, female, white, black, purple, whatever, created by God in the image and likeness of God. You mentioned that numerous For times sure. in your, your book books as well, that we're all created uniquely in God's image, which I think that's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to 1160 AM, The Quest, Atlanta, your Atlanta Catholic Radio, and you are in the family room, and in the family room is Father Martin Connor, and uh, we're talking about authentic love and dating. Father Martin, it's kind of a joke sometimes, like fear of commitment, but in reality, a lack of commitment is pretty problematic. Take us a couple of places that you've gone in, in this work uh, with respect to commitment and, and what it is, what are the truths about why people are afraid to commit or don't commit or? Yeah, a good, excellent question. And I address that, and I think in chapter three or four of the dating booklet, which is the, the 12 uh, fears chapter of commitment. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it would be foolish for me not to talk about it I... because it's everywhere. Yep. Right. And people are afraid to commit to college or commit to a job to get to commit to relationships. So it's uh, I think well, this is what I per am perceiving. One um, is that uh, be because of the, the global digital reality, people are hit a lot more often nowadays uh, with you know, just the craziness of the world. So if you're looking at that constantly as a diet, like a, 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 an eye diet, digital diet, and these people live in that world, then you're going to be, you're going to be a little bit fearful. So that's definitely going on in people's lives. You, you combine that to a, a kind of a broken family, personal reality, which a lot of people are facing. All of us have that going on in our lives, some more than others. Mm -hmm. um, then that compounds it. Because you don't have those strong relationships mm -hmm. that are kind of the rock to go back to when you are filled with fear, right? So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I, I wouldn't be able to answer that completely, but I, I would point to those two as probably being the most prominent pro, uh, kind of you know, influence of people being unable to commit for mm -hmm. a long, long term. Right. Short term, but long term is, a, is another reality, right? Yeah. I won't ask you to comment on this, but but in the back of my brain, I sometimes think that the whole digital and the gaming thing has effects on how we live our lives. 
And in that world, you just hit the reset button. Mm. You don't like how things are going. You hit reset. I mean, I don't even know if I'm using the right terminology because I'm not a particularly good gamer. But like, you don't like this is, I don't have to commit to where I am in this level. I just start again, do something else. Away you go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. that's that's yeah. worth everything you paid for. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you talked about that struck me as well, and, and um, I, I told you right before we started the show today, is that I loved your, that assessment that you had about should I even be dating and I have two children in college right now they're 19 and 21 and I, I sent the assessment to both of them just a quick screenshot of the the that one little piece of yeah. it waiting for your um, ebook to come out which we'll talk about in a little bit but I thought it was fascinating the things that you asked people to stop and think about and it gets to the heart of what we're talking about right now about people's ability to commit people's maturity level are they do they have the foundation to be able to give to another person? Because mm. I think part of what you've also said is that part of the fear of commitment is that I don't know if I'm enough yet, mm. right? I don't mm. know if I'm able to commit. I don't know if I'm I'm enough for the other person. I don't know if I can get into a relationship and not hurt the other person. I don't know if I can really um, hold up my end of this or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And those areas that you mentioned in there, um, that self-growth quiz, my, both my kids sent back a, a comment. They're like, wow, those are really deep questions. <laughs> and I said, well, it's only five areas. So it's kind of interesting, but you know, just daily commitments, right? Am I yeah. keeping my daily commitments right now? Right. Do I, do I take care of myself? That type of thing? Or am I dependable? Can people depend on me? Am I authentic? Um, am I self-motivated? Am I aware of my own emotions and, mm. and can I sacrifice? Yeah. And I thought those were such great topics not only for them to assess for themselves and to take some time to think through but also they were great topics i think for parents or aunts or uncles or whoever has a relationship with a young person to get them to start thinking about these yeah. things right because yeah. i don't think in this in this digital age to your point we're always able to entertain ourselves and move on to the next step um whether it's another game or whether it's another video to watch or another TikTok to watch or whatever it might be we don't stop and reflect we are missing the art of self-reflection yeah. and yeah. I think your assessment really gets them to stop and reflect and ask themselves some of these questions and I think hopefully in some cases they'll think yes wow look I do do some of these things and in other cases they may say huh this is something to work mm, on right. something to aspire to right. and nobody else is asking them these hard questions yeah. so thank you yeah no 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 yeah. and I that quiz has just been amazing the conversations I've had the, so just so you know I wrote that with with two young adults, both of them were missionaries uh, here in Atlanta with mm. the Reagan Christie, and they helped me put it together. So it's not like a fifty-year-old guy trying to, <laughs> you know, locked in a room with a with a yeah. light over his head trying to figure out the dating world. It really was a grassroots. We need to talk about this. We need to ask about this. Mm -hmm. Their own in their own journey. These they one was nineteen, one was twenty years old, mm -hmm. and I like you said, those questions really go to the root of who they are as human beings and what am I actually offering mm -hmm. to another person. Mm -hmm. could, could I ask a question? So you talked clearly and you pointed that out to a lot of different people to get this information together. And in the area of commitment, did you notice a pattern or, or what pattern did you notice when someone is capable of commitment? Were there things that were non-relational in their early, in their youth? I'm thinking of this, uh, Father Martin, as a parent or, or parents listening, are there some things that you can teach your kids about commitment that have nothing to do with relationships. In other words, hey, I'm going to do a paper out. Great. Then, then you're going to do a paper out for <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get. I want. I want a pet. 
Well, if you have a pet, this is it. And 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 parents will tell you, yeah, we got the dog and we're all going to take care of it. And now it's Nobody me who's did. taking care of it, right? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that's a pretty good opportunity. Was there anything, and I could be just le in left field because I like left field, but. <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, yes, that's, a, that's a probably another conversation altogether because that's, that's a worthwhile uh, theme. But I would say that generally where we're failing, mm -hmm. we, I mean, there's lots of layers to this, is that we have saved uh, our, our this generation from conflict. Ah. Mm. Conflict matures. And it can be with brothers and sisters. It can be at school. And we have pampered this generation ridiculously to, to a fault so that these, you're solving all their issues. And, you know, they're 22 <clears throat> and still going back to mom and dad about the basics mm. when they should have learned it when they were 15. So I would just tell uh, you, you, you really got to take a step back and let your children mature through a conflict and affliction and all whatever and, that means, right? And in, failure. In their daily. Yeah. yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah, right. sacrifice. That, yeah. Craig, that goes back. Remember very early on, Mari, we talked about, hey, what? how do we bring business, yes. you know, yes. uh, uh, work to the faith place? I just finished seven interviews in, in three days. The first question asked after, tell us about your background, is describe for me a time when you handled conflict successfully. There you go. In, in the business world, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the first question. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's Very great. True. That's great. Well, it's interesting because when you look at Adam and Eve, I mean, conflict came in at the point in time that sin came in. God said, you got to work. And at that point in time, it was fine. But now the pain's going to come with it. But it's interesting, too, because Ralph Martin and others have prophesied that, you know, God gave us a period of time of great generosity, great outpouring of his gifts, great prosperity. And God's kind of saying to people, and you weren't listening to me. <laughs> you didn't turn back to me. You turned to yourselves. In my love, in my mercy, in my justice, we're going to allow you to struggle some. We're going to put you into some challenging situations. And dating is a challenge, if you do it right. Because I think you detail, you make a correlation between dating and the old courtship. Dating is not meant to just have fun. Let's do this until the fun runs out. I'm not happy anymore. Dating, in its essence, was designed to... Find that person mm -hmm. that you thought God was putting in your life that was going to get you to the ultimate goal, which is heaven, mm. right? Yeah. And we've gone away from that. It's so funny that you brought that up, Craig, because I was thinking about that same thing. And I had a conversation with my daughter not long ago. She's a freshman in college. And she said she and her best friend in high school had this very interesting conversation where they said, you know what? Dating is stupid unless you're really thinking about using it to decide if you're going to marry somebody or not. And that's essentially what you said in this dating booklet yeah. was that the whole purpose of dating really should be, is this somebody I'm going to marry or not marry? So we're going to let you sit on the edge of your seats, listeners, and we come back and talk about that um, great, great uh, insight that, that Father Martin has. So please come back and join us here in the family room on AM 1160 The Quest in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. So, you love listening to The Quest but can't always listen live? No worries. Now with the Quest Atlanta app, you never have to miss out. Listen on demand, submit prayer requests, catch up on the latest headlines, and so much more. Available on the App Store and Google Play today. 
Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room on AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back to The Family Room with our guest, Father Martin Connor. And we're talking to him about one of his books, which is a booklet on dating. And we'll give more details about that a little later in the show. But Father Martin, one of the things we do here on The Family Room, because this is The Family Room, is we always ask each of our guests what one of their favorite family room memories is. So from your childhood and growing up, what was one of your favorite family room memories? Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's funny how when you ask that question, the first thing I, I imagine that what we do is visualize the family room. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like the physical space. <laughs> right, that definitely, uh, with, with the Connor family, we built on to a house that we had. We, I'm one of eight. So we were in a pretty small physical space up until probably baby number, probably when, when I came around. And we built up this back kind of hall room, which ended up being our family room. I remember it well. Uh, strangely enough, because uh, a little bit of a tragedy happened when I was three. This is, a, imagine the memory. The the guy who was building the fireplace fell oh. from the top of the, and landed, and there was blood everywhere. Oh, goodness. And I remember, I remember oh, all the, the, the ambulance being there, and it was kind of a traumatic, but that didn't like kind of taint the rest of my memory of my family room. So in that space, you know, we celebrate everything from Christmas opening up of gifts yeah. to 
watching the Baltimore Colts now, the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> uh, giving my age away because that was many, many moons ago. To my mom, my mom's favorite show back in the seventies, eighties was Mash. Yep. So we were we we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, but we were allowed to watch one or two little things during the week, and the rest of it was homework time, right? Yeah. So it was probably when there was more than three of us in, in that space. There was just a lot of high energy. You can imagine with big families, you know, get out of my bed, my my seat. That was my seat. A lot of kind of back and forth. I have five older sisters, so that alone would make one just pause. <laughs> I think How that's was that? time off in purgatory. That could I'm be. Sure. Is the clock ticking, please? <laughs> so I, I would say it was a myriad of those types of experiences. Maybe you know between Christmas and then um, us gathering together for our meals because our, our our dinner space was there too. Big, big, long white table for for ten people was there. Even though we didn't necessarily fill it up all the time, because I had my older sisters were out and about too, in college and things. So, probably those were the memories that I That's remember great. most. Yeah, That's awesome. great, wonderful. So before our break, we we talked about the the very interesting idea that dating is not just to date. The purpose of dating, there's a deeper, richer purpose than date to date than just dating. And some people talk about just hanging out or hooking up yeah. or all of these new things they talk about these days. But in fact, the purpose of dating is really to discern whether you're going to marry somebody. Would right. you talk to us about that? Yeah. So I think we all know that uh, the current dating market is very much um, kind of, well, let's just put it as it is, a little bit superficial. Yeah. Where you're going out for drinks or you're, there's a huge uh, hookup culture that we know that's really yep. been fostered by the digital world and, and, and you can pretty much get what you want when you want it, right? Yeah. But I think that type of immediate self-gratification is now really waning, even though it's riddled, it's all over the place. You have people who have been broken by that, that world mm -hmm. and they want something deeper. Mm -hmm. They want something more long-lasting, something that's not going to be temporary. And so that's kind of the thesis is to really, like we've talked about in the first part of the show, take a step back and say, hey, wh what do I really want? What is my heart looking for? And that does involve silence and a little bit of personal reflection and in some cases, or most cases, prayer, mm -hmm. right? Hopefully you're involving God in that. Um, and when you do that, then the heart's longing for that total self-gift is awakened. And maybe it's, uh, I got to get back to my family. I miss those relationships with home mom and dad at home. That starts there because there's something different about home life than college life, right? So it, it kind of, that's a good sign when the mm -hmm. kids start coming back to roost a little bit more frequent. That means that they're asking that question. But I, I, I think um, it is starting to change. Uh, we would like it to, to move a little bit faster. But I, I think gradually the problem there is that everybody is trying to figure out how to grow in love mm. and and growing in love means the capacity to stretch yourself for another person and we're not very good at that all of us mm -hmm. because we are fallen we have been tainted by original sin which makes us very self-centered all of us and so learning that if you don't learn it at home where you should learn it or you don't learn it kind of in the proper school context or even in your parish community trying to learn that at 18 20 25 when a lot of habits are already set in your life it's a very very difficult undertaking so you find a lot of families and a lot of kids um trying to do that and it's it's just difficult Right. So that, that you eventually have to get around to that if you want that type of love in your life. Mm -hmm. And it does come. It's coming. But I, I, as I said, a little bit slower than we would all like it. No, that's for sure. And it's 
Interesting. I mean, your family room moment was awesome. But it reminds me, though, how all of this, the dating and everything is a community. It's a family. It's mm. the maturity we get from being in those relationships. You know, John mentioned earlier commitments, you know, keeping us committed. And we've gone away from that in a lot of ways. It's also interesting to me. There's a book for dads. It's called Dad's Interviewing Your Daughter's Dates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you read it? Yeah, I know. Of it. I have not read it. No, no, no. But it's an interesting concept, and my daughter cringes all the time because literally it's dads get involved yeah. and sit down with the guy and talk them through, <clears throat> here's how precious she is to me. Here's how I want you. And again, how I want you to behave should be coinciding with what your daughter wants for herself. But you're really laying out a picture of... Here's what virtue looks like. Here's what chastity looks like. And it sounds really weird and really odd, but a dear friend of both of ours, um, and I don't have permission to use his name and I won't, interviewed one of his daughter's dates. The kid kind of was like, okay, this is odd. But years later, the kid got married to a different girl, called this friend of Father Martin's and I up and was like, I want to thank you because you gave me a new perspective on dating that led to marriage mm. that helped me look at my current bride in a very different yep. light yep. than I otherwise would have. It wasn't the old, you got a shotgun and I'm going to kill you if you do this <laughs> or do that. But it was trying to bring a realization to this is not an object. Yeah. This is not something for you to play with. This is a yep. precious person to me, Yeah, which I think is yeah. awesome, yeah. which yeah. segues to my next comment, which is which dovetails that pornography is killing us. Yeah. We don't understand why in a lot of cases, but can you talk about the ramifications of pornography and maybe some of the factual issues of how that impacts our, not only dating, but even our marriages? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, uh, Craig, that you, you be, I, I think one of them, the kind of the fruits of that conversation, dad to boyfriend is you're, you're forcing that young man to think about this beautiful girl that he wants to marry in a way that he's not used to. Because men, unfortunately, have uh, are breathing the toxic culture of objectification constantly. We all are faced with that. And I, I don't know if women necessarily understand that. Now, their perception of it is different because there, there's a female uh, re receiving that's different from a male receiving. But uh, for a man particularly who's naturally attracted to beauty, which is a good thing, has be taken to a, it's taken to a new level of disorder because um, what's presented before us is disordered, right? So uh, the objectification of the other is, is, is all they know. And so having that conversation with dad is like, whoa, I'm thinking at a level that I'm not used to. Mm -hmm. And that's right. She is a woman and she's uh, not an object of my little lusts, but some Someone that uh, deserves my respect and my honor, and she has a dignity and all the rest, right? So I think dad—that's a unique situation where dad can really make an impact, and it's a good good example that you use. So uh, with, with regards to pornography, I think one of the interesting things—and by the way, it's what is that chapter six uh, on the dating book? <laughs> but um, I kept getting so I because of my work with men in Atlanta and beyond Atlanta, uh, I've worked a, a, in spiritual direction and retreats with men for many many years, and uh, one. One of the things that kept coming up in my dating interviews with all these young people and, and talking to them was uh, we don't even know how to have the conversation. Like mm -hmm. the book, I've never, I don't know of any other work out there uh, except what I just put on my publishing where you literally, you, you, you mimic a possible conversation to have with your boyfriend or girlfriend. 
about pornography. About pornography. About pornography. Because they don't know how. They don't go there because they're afraid. They don't want to go there if you're a guy because they're ashamed. The girl wants to figure it out and wants to move forward with this relationship. She likes him, but she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to push him away because this conversation is too sensitive. Blah blah blah. So I basically map out in the chapter. Um, a conversation that you can have with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever it is. But I really, the underlining theme is you need to have this conversation and soon as a relationship unfolds. Why? Because, I mean, you would be foolish not to. Uh, you would not believe the number of young people involved with other, um, you know, in a relationship that have not don't or afraid and find out you know six months before they're married or well into the relationship that this this is out of control and it's not just men it's very much statistically women now it's 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 very very troubling and it would be as i said kind of foolish not to kind of dress it head on in the dating world which i do in that primarily because i was really encouraged to by the young people i was interviewing they said you really need to talk about this and put it kind of in the forefront so in, in the day the chapter is called why this subject here? And I inserted it very intentionally in, in a period of the book where you're about to take, you pull the trigger on the seriousness of the next step. So it's tough to, to ask the question, when should the conversation happen? Yeah. It, can't, it shouldn't happen too soon and it shouldn't happen too late. So I don't know if I got it right, but I, I kind of inserted it in there at a time that I think, you know, yeah, we're, we're really getting to know each other. I really like him. I really like her. I think this is connect, you know, we're connecting on a lot of different levels. Great you better start thinking yeah. about this theme, right? Yeah. But I think it's important because you're actually pushing us to ask real questions, which is yeah. important. And one other comment, we didn't talk about this, but for our listeners, spiritual direction is a great opportunity for you to get connected with a priest or somebody who's trained in it and really dial down in your faith. Help somebody help us figure out what God may be saying and direct our lives spiritually. Father Martin was my spiritual director for 10 years. And... Um, did it did amazing things in my life and how I reframe things. So I appreciate Thanks, that. Kurt. But Thanks. Um, just want to get our listeners to think about that. Yeah. Um, and actually, that makes me think of a quote from your book, too. So listeners, um, let me just mention real quick, though, if you are just tuning in, you are listening to AM 1160, The Quest. You are here with us in the family room with Dr. Martin Connor. And um, <laughs> I wish I was a doctor. Dr. Father. <laughs> Thank you, a doctor, doctor for the church. <laughs> Father Martin Connor. Um, I was actually thinking, Craig, you had just talked about uh, spiritual directors. That's where my brain went. Um, but also just surrounding yourself with people. And there was a quote in your book. I think it was actually from a young, a young man. And he what, said, what chapter he said, <laughs> he said, um, he said a community of people who support you, particularly a community of faith is vital to dating. And it's often an under undervalued or ignored area. So to your point, Craig, as far as having a spiritual director or having your family members, right, who are faithful and who know you as well. One of the things I love about your book is because you do give very good tools for people to use. As you said, here are questions you can ask of yourself to decide if you're even ready to date. Here are some questions even if you're pretty serious in your relationship that you can ask about pornography. But you also have a set of questions that people can ask about um, when they're first starting to date, early stages of dating. And, you know, women... Here's some things you can ask about this new person you're dating. You know, how do you feel when you're with him? Do you feel safe? Is he mm. protecting you? Um, men, you know, does she make you better? Do you feel comfortable with her? You know, you ask these really good, to your point, Craig, really deep questions. But I, I smiled when I saw this question because it was a question 
after I'd gotten out of a poor relationship that somebody gave me when I was in my early 20s and I used it for as a litmus test for every relationship going forward, mm. not just dating relationships, but actually relationships with people. And the question was, does this person draw you closer to a, a, to God or does this person push you farther away from God? Um, and, and then it, even one element for me specifically was, does this person draw you closer to God or to themselves, right? Mm. Are they kind of putting themselves between you and God? And that question I saw in your book and I started to smile because I said that was a profound question for me. Mm -hmm. And I still use it to this day in relationships as well. Yeah. Nice. No, yeah. no, I mean, uh, that's kind of the whole, the whole point of the booklet is really gets people to slow down and introspect right mm -hmm. we're, because of the distraction like we talked about they're not thinking at a deeper level and therefore they're not able to decide and make choices that are really you know truth centered mm -hmm. to themselves and then they they you know they end up making bad decisions and and then it's a it's a mess right so i'm just trying to equip them to avoid the pain of of doing that when they if they if they think of think things through a little bit here and there then uh, it saves them a lot of a lot of trouble in the future yeah that's actually a really good segue albeit maybe a touch out of order uh to another question or a comment because um you there's a there's a comment that says maybe marriage isn't for you marriage isn't for you and we would say after many many years of marriage marriage definitely isn't for you why would we say that now you're saying that in the context of being a married person i'm or? saying i'm saying <laughs> why would someone marriage really isn't for you who is it for the very last thing. The very, I went all the way to the end of yeah, the Yeah, and you know what that article is about? Did you read it? Yes. It's, it's worth it, isn't it? It's absolutely. Well, you yeah, so explain it I can't, now. I want, yeah. I want to go there. Well, he, he, went, he, he, went, fishing. he, went, he went fishing. He went fishing, okay. tried to reel you in, and you missed so, the So, yeah, rain. I mean, the, 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 the question here is why do I want to get married? Right. And what is really motivating me? And if it's all about me, baby, exactly. you're going to crash and burn <laughs> as fast as you can imagine, right? So the, the article that you're referring to is that the end, which is very catchy, because uh, it, it basically points to the fact that it's not about you. It's about this other re person and this life you're building together, which in Christian terms is a covenant mm -hmm. of love with a third person called God, right? And so there's a whole other reality that's never touched upon because you know what? It is all about me nowadays. And we unfortunately figure that out when it's too late sometimes. Yeah. Right. And when you wrap that, that, I was just like, Gotta go there, right? And so apologize if I went there prematurely. That's all right. But but it, again, in a sense of humor, almost it's a standing joke. Yes, dear. But in reality, it's not a joke. It's yes, dear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. why it works. Yes, but you know dad, what's so funny? My dad said that at my wedding. So you know how at your wedding reception, different people speak. And my dad, when he stood up, he said to George, I need to teach you two words you need to say. <laughs> you need to be able to say, yes, dear. <laughs> yeah, I won't tell you how that went down. <laughs> but it was, at your it was, wedding? It was the night before at the, at the rehearsal, at rehearsal dinner. dinner. Yeah, it, it was interesting. We, it's not radio appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, though, that little article was wrapped in the context of a young person talking to his dad. Mm, yeah, And right. again, family, again, the importance of those kind of discussions. And it was a real discussion. It was like, my, if I remember correctly, my best friend forever, great, marry your best friend. 
but I'm not sure. And everything was, is she going to fulfill me? Is this going to be right for me? Yeah. Is this going to be? And the father was kind of like, like you do oftentimes to us guys, smacks him in the back of the head and is like, boys, wake up. This is not just about you. But I think that's true, though, because don't we typically look we, and go, is this person going to make me better? Is this person going to fulfill me? And not about what am I pouring into that or, person? The, or we think we're really good. Because this is a lecture I got from my father-in-law. It, it, we think we're really good. So we're, I'm a, it's a 50-50 deal. Marriage is a 50-50 deal. And he's like, if you think marriage is a 50-50 <laughs> deal, you are wrong. It's 110, 110. Anything less is, you know, not going to go well. And, and so, but we're really happy when we say, hey, I'm, I'm in this 50-50, man. I'm not, this isn't all about me. It's only 50% about me. That's pretty healthy, right? It's Wrong. <laughs> it's zero. <laughs> anyway, so sorry for the sidebar. Yeah. Well, but it's a good sidebar, right? It's an important sidebar. Go to the, um, to the statistics on uh, living together, please. Because mm -hmm. that was eye-opening also. <laughs> not quite what you expect. No, not even. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, the title is called, right? The statistics say the opposite. Because the, the typical mantra you hear is, oh, you know, I, I need to know how the car rides. Right. Um, it, it'll make our marriage much better. And and so, you know, it all does sound pretty commonsensical. Like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Well, right? are, we, are we compatible? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it, in the end, uh, it doesn't work out. Sociologically, the statistics say the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, in the book, uh, again, through a lot of different interviews and listening to people, I, I think if I, if, if I, my memory serves me right, basically people go into, if they're, if they're cohabitating, they'll go into marriage, um, not with a hundred percent, a hundred percent, like you said, <laughs> and they're like, I can get out of this. If they already went into an attitude where I can get out of this because I'm not married, they have that attitude going into marriage, then you're really, you're, you're, you're starting in a real weak spot, right? And that's kind of what happened. If you do live together, the chances of divorce go up. There's all kinds of um, unfortunate disorder that happens with the cohabitation reality. And so the book speaks to that. And statistically, as you mentioned, those who live together prior to marriage, uh, it just doesn't work out, right? And another thing to remember also is a lot of people aren't getting married. Right. Mm. So, so it just stays there. Yeah, it, it, it just, they just stay where they are. I always say cohabitation is a commitment to a non-commitment. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, worth, worth reflecting on, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because we live in a society that keeps pushing us towards certain behaviors of marriage, but yet marriage are failing at 50% plus, right? It's like closer to 60% now. Catholic marriages are tracking along the same thing. So it's kind of <laughs> like, when do we finally wake up and say, there's got to be a better way. We've got to be doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, a, a lot of, so a couple things. One, statistically, uh, divorce is going down, if you didn't know that. It's going down because no one's because getting married. Getting married. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's not like a real yeah. help. Not yeah. for the reason we think, right. or we hope. It, yeah. It's interesting, the, the cohabitation is so normalized today. Mm-hmm. I mean, to even, I think the only, and maybe I'm not, I'm not advocating this, the only argument to your 16-year-old daughter is, listen, I'm going to just put it this way. If you ever think about living, moving in with your boyfriend, just know I'm not going to pay for your wedding. <laughs> now, if you financially put it that way, she's going to think twice. And the reason I say that, and we can laugh at it, is because essentially people move in together primarily for financial reasons. Mm. That's what they say. And I just had a, very, a person very close to me who I have a tremendous respect for, who I thought was on the narrow way, fall into this. Mm. And it was because of money. Wow. Yeah. It just 
made it easier. And I was so disappointed because it, it's so easy to go there. Mm. And just because of money, you're going to move in? Like what happened with the 20 years of being faithful and, yeah. right? So I, I, I walked away very saddened by it. But that's generally the reason they say to mom, dad, and everybody else that they're moving. But financially, they can't, they can't make it happen because of the debt or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, 40 years ago, I was a freshman in college and my mom sent me an article that she had clipped out. Did your moms do that? They'd clip out articles out of the paper <laughs> or whatever they're reading and they would mail it to you to your little P.O. box on the college campus and I opened it up. And all is it, all, the only thing in this in this envelope for my mom is an article. And the article is... No all, check for college? No, no, no. The article is all uh -oh. the statistics for how, why you should never live with somebody. And I'm thinking... Mom, I just got to college. Why are you sending this to me? Right? But she was already trying to get me to realize that this was a poor path if I ever even entertained it. I wasn't yeah. even dating anybody. Yeah. But the reason I bring up that story is because as we close out our time with you, Father, is that I appreciate so much as a parent this dating booklet that you've created because my mom, her way of talking to me was sending me newspaper clippings through the mail, but you instead have given us this great resource that we can either hand to our children and ask them to read it. I've got one friend who actually pays her kids to read things like this, or it works, or, um, or sit down with our kids and have some of these conversations. So you've given us some amazing tools to be able to have conversations. And here on The Family Room, that's what we're trying to do is we're trying mm -hmm. to equip families, trying to yeah. equip parents, trying to equip people who are in relationship with young people or whoever it might be um, with ways that they can use. So nice. we, uh, we thank you for this. So Absolutely. we know your book is actually the dating booklet is coming out Valentine's Val Day around Valentine's Val Day. The ebook might come out a little bit earlier, but yes, hopefully Valentine's Day, it'll, it'll go live both hard copy and ebook. Okay. And so in our show notes, we will have links so that people can know how they can access your Perfect. books Perfect. and also your podcast that you, you know, mentioned. Wired to Love yep, yep. podcast. You can yeah. get through that too. Uh -huh. Yeah, so for our show notes, um, just go to thequestatlanta.com slash thefamilyroom. Then you'll link down to this show with Father Perfect. Martin, and you'll be able to access all of that. That's great. Father, well, one of the things we always ask people to do is to close our time together with prayer. Yes. So um, would you mind praying for Not our listeners? The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of our faith and the gift of this time together. and in talking about such an important reality as uh, love and the building of love in our relationships towards uh, long-lasting love that leads to marriage and ultimately trying to get to heaven where you've called us to be with you forever. So we, we just place the, the many, many themes that we've talked about in, in, in this last half hour, hour in your hands and those who have listened grandparents and parents and young people and whoever is out there listening, Lord, stir their heart, move their heart towards the truth of your love, which is a total and unconditional gift of self that you showed us on the cross that you've called us to live as well, primarily through our baptismal reality. Thank you for that. And we ask our Blessed Mother's intercession and all the saints of heaven. And we ask this always through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Martin. We appreciate you being with us in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, wisdom, and truth for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.